I'm Jerry Willis. I'm Steve Ducey. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, July 3rd, 2020. I'm Simon Owen. The coronavirus is ripping through some of the world's richest countries. But in Yemen, one of the poorest places on earth, officials describe devastation. Yemen's always been a poor country, and now it's on the... It's really falling off the cliff. This is the Fox News Rundown Global Pandemic. First today, some of the latest developments in the coronavirus outbreak. And as the US heads into the holiday weekend, it's been a week of unwanted records. The number of new COVID-19 infections repeatedly hitting record daily highs, including passing the 50,000 mark for the first time. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas now ordering people to wear face coverings in public, having previously been opposed. Overseas, Britain takes a big step out of its coronavirus lockdown this weekend. Pubs, restaurants and places of worship in England can reopen. Prime Minister Boris Johnson says he's looking forward to a pint of beer, but is urging fellow drinkers to take it easy. And after an unusual absence from public view, North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un has re-emerged to declare his country's handling of the pandemic a shining success – North Korea insists it hasn't recorded a single COVID-19 infection. Outside observers are sceptical. The coronavirus has caused havoc in some of the world's richest countries, not least the United States. But as the outbreak spreads, more details are emerging about an outsized impact in Yemen. Already devastated by five years of war, as Saudi Arabia, with American support, fights Yemeni rebels, Yemen's COVID-19 death rate is feared to be around 20 times America's. Aid groups estimate a quarter of infections end in death. And against that backdrop, aid money from other countries has collapsed, cut roughly in half this year. The war has basically destroyed the economy, the infrastructure, many people's homes. It's displaced millions of people. It's killed countless people. Um, But Yemen's always been a poor country and now it's on the it's really falling off the cliff. Mark Lowcock is the United Nations aid chief. The combination of the war, the collapse of the economy, COVID-19 has got the country to a state unlike anything I've seen before. I've worked on Yemen for a long time and this is the darkest moment. It's got a larger number of people than any other country who can only survive if they get humanitarian assistance and the death rate is horrific and growing. There are many crises around the world at the moment, unfortunately, but none of them are as bad as what's happening in Yemen. Now, we've seen um, over the past few months the impact that this virus has had on a lot of rich countries. What does it do to a country in the kind of state that Yemen is in? The war and everything associated with it has completely destroyed the health system in Yemen. So if you get the virus and you try to go to a hospital, you're very unlikely Firstly, to get into the hospital, because they're all overcrowded. And secondly, to get any useful help if you do. So, um, you know, it's a dramatically worse situation for people who've got the virus in Yemen than it is even in, you know, the US or the UK. But the biggest thing is the virus, um, of course, is taking lives itself, but it's the consequences of the virus that 
are even more alarming. So we face the prospect of famine on, really on a biblical scale in Yemen now. We see a collapse in immunization programs for measles and diseases which children simply die from if they don't get the vaccination. The UN is having to close lots of our programs. We're closing safe water treatment facilities. We're reducing the number of people we can give food to. In March, the UN's World Food Programme gave food to nearly 13 million people. And because we don't have the money, in April, that was only 8 million people. Those 4.5 million people who we couldn't help in April, they haven't dramatically become better off. They've simply started starving at a faster rate. You know, what, what ha- what's happened is in 2017, 2018, 2019, we've just about kept the situation stable because the UN and the NGOs have been able to raise quite a lot of money to, you know, keep people going and to give them food or to keep the clinics going or to keep the water and sanitation facilities up and running. And that has stopped now. Um, the money, especially from the Gulf, has totally dried up and that's why we're closing facilities and why Yemen is falling off the cliff. What's happened to to the funding? I mean you you have these donor conferences regularly. I mean what's been going on at, at those kind of fundraising rounds recently? Well the you know in recent years to cope with the fact that Yemen's the world's worst humanitarian crisis we've had the world's biggest humanitarian relief operation and last year we raised more than three billion dollars to pay for it. Um, it sounds a lot of money, but actually you can keep somebody alive just for 30 cents a day in Yemen. That's all it costs to provide enough to keep somebody alive. Um, but you have to do it every day and you have to do it for all 20 million people who need assistance. What's happened this year is the funding simply dried up from the Gulf countries, who do have a special responsibility because Yemen is their neighbour and some of them are engaged in the conflict. So we raised at a conference in early June half the money we raised at the comparable conference last year, and the difference was entirely accounted for by the fall-off in pledges made by countries in the Gulf. And when you say you've raised only half, I mean, what sort of numbers are we talking about how many dollars yeah so last year on the day of the pledging conference we we got promises of 2.6 billion dollars actually by the end of the year we were able to raise 3 billion at this year's conference um at the beginning of june the promises made were half the level of the promises made last year so 1.35 billion and half of that money has still not been paid so You know, what needs to happen, the the choice basically, especially in front of the Gulf countries right now, is either to sign a check in the way that they did last year or not to do that. And if they don't do that, they're effectively signing the death warrant of millions of Yemeni mothers, babies and children. You've been listening to Mark Lowcock, the UN's Undersecretary General for Humanitarian Affairs. We'll be right back. I mean, I, I'm just trying to guess that if you had a 10% drop off, then maybe you could stretch this here and move this there. And, but I mean, 50% must just have a vast impact on what you can do. That's exactly right. And that, that's why, um, you know, 4 million fewer people are getting food from us in April and in March. 
That's why we're in the process of closing down our immunization programs and our clinics. You know, we, we, the UN, um, through um, the UN Children's Fund, UNICEF and the World Health Organization, used to um, give a bit of money every month to 10,000 Yemeni health workers because they haven't been paid for a long time. So we were giving them a bit of money so they would still go to work. We don't have that money anymore, so we're not doing that. And those people, you know, they're either working totally as volunteers or in many cases they simply can't afford to because they've got their own families to try and find a um, means of protecting as well. What was Yemen's healthcare system like in the years when the war was going on but before the coronavirus outbreak? Well, it was gradually um, deteriorating, obviously, because of the effect of the war. There's been tragically lots of hospitals and clinics which have been bombed or caught up in the fighting. Many educated professional Yemenis have left the country, including many health workers. So those who stayed were under increasingly um, difficult conditions. Nevertheless, um, you know, we have up to the, basically up to the end of last year, been able to keep a lot of things going. For example, in 2017, there were a million cases of cholera in Yemen. In 2018, we were able to put in place a really good response program and the number of cases fell by half. So if, we, if, if the UN and the NGOs and the Red Cross get the money, we can still save many, many lives. But um, right now, as I say, it's the worst I've seen it and the death toll is mounting and we're staring in the face a huge global tragedy. Is it fair to describe this as a kind of perfect storm? You have, unrelated essentially, a war, a pandemic, and a funding collapse all coming together at the same time. Yes, and some other things as well, unfortunately. Um, so, for example, um, one of the main sources of income for Yemen as a country over recent years has been Yemenis out of the country sending money home. And they sent hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars, um, those people home over recent years. Now, there's, this year, there's been a real collapse in that money coming home. And the effect, because, you know, people who've left the country are finding it difficult to make ends meet. Um, a lot of them have lost their jobs and so on. Now, the effect of that basically collapse in what's called remittances, the money people send home, has been that the value of Yemen's currency, the Yemeni real, has been falling. Um, and what that means is the prices of basic goods like food, because almost all the food eaten in Yemen is imported, um, the price in rials has gone up because each rial buys fewer dollars and the cost of food is basically calculated in dollars. So that economic collapse comes on top of all the other things that we're um, seeing, the conflict, COVID, um, you know, the collapse in health services, the dramatic reduction in aid and these economic problems too. And is there a risk that this, that this may not get better anytime soon because countries all over the world, not just in the Gulf, are potentially looking at some rough times ahead in their own economies, in their own countries? It's not a risk that things won't get better. There's a guarantee that things will get dramatically worse unless some of these issues we've been talking about um, are addressed. And, you know, we've been sounding the alarm now on this for a few months, and we're now really at a critical moment. The death rate is going up. Um, 
you know, there's, it takes time if we do get a bit more money in to scale up the programs again. So unless that happens super quick, I'm afraid we'll see a loss of life and a scale of suffering unlike anything we've seen so far in the 21st century. And you've got years of experience in aid delivery. I mean, what goes through your mind when the plug has to be pulled on a swathe of programs that you are convinced are essential and saving lives every day? One of the things you learn if you do this kind of work and you travel to countries and you meet people is, and you talk to them and you ask, you know, the problems in their lives. And the thing you learn is the people suffering in these circumstances, they're exactly the same as me and you. They have the same hopes, fears, aspirations, pain, trauma, and so on. The the only difference is that life's lottery has been kinder to us than to them. And it is heartrending to see people suffering, particularly in circumstances where it could be prevented. What we're talking about in the scale of things is really pocket change. When you think about $9 trillion rich countries have pumped into the global economy, rightly, to protect the global economy, for a few hundred million dollars, a billion or two, we could stop what is unfolding as a huge tragedy in Yemen right now. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.